I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Culture Vulture. Kia ora everyone. Welcome to another edition of Culture Vulture. Kia ora, kia ora Luce. How are you today? I'm really excited, nervous. So am I. Guys, I get really nervous before podcasting recordings. Yeah, I mean, I know we sound like naturals, but <laughs> me and Liv are so antsy. Like, we're at home in lockdown right now, and it's 11am, and this whole morning we've both been sort of like, uh, should we record now? Like, are you prepared? Have you, yeah, are you prepared? I'm constantly like, Liv, you're going to be so much more prepared than me. Like, I'm sorry in advance. But <laughs> I know, I know. But I think I think we're good. We've got quite a fun subject matter today. Quite a hilarious subject matter. So today we're talking about Ed Sheeran and what has happened to Ed Sheeran's music. So funny. When I was doing the art for this, I felt like I was writing a little tabloid, like, what has happened to Ed? Like, as though he has... Like, as though something terrible's happened to yeah, him. Yeah, as though something terrible's happened to him. But that's not the case at all. We're talking about his music here. Yeah, we love, love Ed Sheeran. Ah, he's just the sweet... He seems like the sweetest guy. Oh, absolutely. Super, super genuine. Super down to earth. I'd love to go for a beer with him down the pub. Same. Well, the pub that he has on his house, on his estate. What, he has his own pub? So you know how Michael Jackson, I don't know if we should be talking about him, but had yeah. Neverland? Mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran has a version of that called, like, it's not called Sheeranland. I've sort of called it Sheeranland from an article I read. But basically he's got, like, tree houses, all these houses, like a pond, a gym, a pool, and a fucking pub. Like, on his land. I'm actually, I wasn't going to bring this up now, but it feels really fishing that we bring it up now. Yeah. So, um, basically he has a pub, and Mm -hmm. someone asked him about it, and he said, it's called the Lancaster Lock. And he said, yes, we still have the pub. And I know it's fucking weird to have a pub in your garden, but if my mates come round, we can eat in the pub, and then if they want to carry on, I can just leave them there and go back to the main house. I like that separation. So he's got this big lodge, like, not even lodge, like, huge fucking estate. I think I forget that celebrities are rich as fuck. Yeah. Like, I think I forget that they have so much money that they don't know what to do with it, that they're making their own backyard pub. And I Literally. mean, like, quite a cute thing to do with your mates. For money. your mates. Yeah. As well. Like, we know he loves pubs. Absolutely. He's English. Yeah. They like, all love pubs. get it, Ed. Absolutely. But essentially, Liv, like, this isn't us bagging on Ed Sheeran. No. It's us being really upset that his music has gone from, like, you know, the man and grade eight, like top tier, really good music, well, in my humble opinion, to my bad habits, like, just no, I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I just feel like he's trying to be Justin Bieber without being Justin Bieber. I don't know. We will go into that. I know. But really, it's a conversation about what happens when you've built your career on being the underdog and you're no longer the underdog and you can't rest on that. Who are you? Absolutely. I think that's what it comes down to. And like, fuck trying to find your music identity in the public eye. Like, no, it'd be so hard. Difficult. And he's a dad now. And like, he loves New Zealand. Like, I just think we need to keep coming back to the fact we love Ed. His music has gone in the loo. (laughs) 
So today we are going to talk about Ed's evolution. And it was quite funny when I was sort of going through his albums because there's very specific like Ed personas Mm -hmm. that come out throughout each album. And I think it shows a lot about the music industry and the pressures put on musicians to please their audiences, but then also change to not make their music stale. Mm. It's really interesting. But Lucy, I want to ask you first, what was your first memory of Ed? Definitely. I feel like we're at a funeral. I know. First memory of Ed, now that his music is dead. <laughs> um, certainly um, the A-Team, I think for a lot of people that mm-hmm. was their entry to Ed, but then I downloaded onto my little, I had this like pink MP3 player that you, I had to go on LimeWire and like yep. download his album. Yeah. And I was camping with my family and I was having a real teenager moment. Like I would yep. go for walks and just like listen to Ed Sheeran and like, I don't know. I thought I was discovering him. It was pretty early on in his career, but I certainly wasn't. I'm not going to sit here and be one of those people that was like, I knew him before he was big. I didn't, but I really, really loved Plus, I loved that album. I just loved it. Oh, absolutely. 18 was definitely my first memory of him. I remember like being at this pool party in year 11 or something mm. and it was playing and it was just the rage. I remember yeah. it really grabbed our school. God, it was beautiful. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. But my brother was also a huge mm. Ed Sheeran fan. He's a couple of years older than me and he played guitar and has red hair. So obviously... Oh, he basically was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> he was. He could be the new Ed. He even had like the multiply flag up in his bedroom, like above his bed. Ed he, Nation. That yeah. was his nation. No, absolutely. Like, honestly, he was, he was obsessed and I think it filtered down to me mm. a little bit. And I yeah. used to listen to Ed in the vineyards yeah. when I was a teenager. But yeah, really... Soft spots for Ed. Mm. Oh my god, every every song from like the first two albums that we heard, plus and multiply, multiply. just nostalgic. Oh, so nostalgic, and I think that's what makes it quite painful hearing bad habits and shivers. Oh, you but get shivers from the bad habits not that are showing from his new music habits. And funny, me and Liv were both listening to bad habits and shivers, and both of us listened to shivers thinking it was bad habits or bad habits thinking it was shivers because they sounded so similar honestly i was listening to shivers and then i was like okay i'm gonna now listen to bad habits and then i was like halfway through oh no sorry like i meant to listen to bad habits but i was anyway i think it just says a lot yeah should we start off with where ed started yes okay perfect so his album plus came out in 2011 um, we're aware that this isn't where he fully no. started. He had some EPs and some beautiful music, but totally. for the mainstream, we're not here to be snobs about music. For us, this is where he Absolutely. Started. We're going to go with his studio albums because Absolutely. we need to be quick fire with this. But <laughs> yeah. basically, I feel like his whole brand, even though it's kind of fucked up talking about him as a brand because I feel like it was a very authentic thing for totally. him, um, was very much like... The homeless singer-songwriter Ed. Like, this he is... had a song called Homeless. Yes. It's not a homeless life for me. Like, and sofa, friend. like living on people's sofas. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like your mate that was trying to make it that didn't have much support from their parents. Like he was just like out there on his own, mm-hmm. busking, like doing all of that shit that people with big dreams have. And he was really throwing himself into that world. And I think that because he started there... That's where we all related to him yes. as someone that we could know or could be. And he's like, you know, on stage, he was still wearing just whatever the fuck he wanted, baggy jeans, yep. like just his cute little plus guitar that I was obsessed with. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, here is like homeless singer-songwriter Ed, obsessed with Damien Rice, 
you know, yes. a little bit folksy, very, I don't know, tongue in cheek almost. Yeah. And then we also see a little bit of his rapper self starting to come out in this album with tracks like You and I and You Need Me Man, I Don't Need You. Mm. Now, a huge theme of this album was his relationship with the music industry and how he wanted to break into the music industry, but he was also very cynical about it. I won't be a product of the genre. My mind will always be stronger than my songs are. Never believe the bullshit the fake guys feed to you. Like, he, you need me, man, I don't need you, was his brand then. Um, I'll keep my last name forever, keep the genre pretty basic. Going to be breaking into other people's tunes when I chase it. And then he says, I'm still the same as a year ago, but more people hear me, though, according to the MySpace and YouTube videos. And it's so interesting because he was being so honest here. Like, he, I, I imagine that on his come up, when he was getting more views on his MySpace and YouTube videos, he was still the same as a year a year ago. Yeah. And he, was, and he was still, like, probably wasn't fucking couch surfing. Like, you know, he was. But I feel like You Need Me, Man, I Don't Need You was still honest. Oh. Like, a few years after it was released. Absolutely, absolutely. I just feel like it's so interesting that this is where we start off with Ed. You know, he's really sold as that relatable guy next door. How good were the songs This and Wake Me Up? And fucking Give Me Love and Grade 8 and You and I. Like, this album, I love his melodic rapping. Honestly, it's fucking beautiful. Same, I love it too and he gets so much shit I for know. it. I know. Because he says, I'm not a rapper, I'm a singer, singer with, with the, the flow. flow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bro, you are a rapper. That's so we've right. got gorgeous, sort of homeless, humble Ed. We love him. VO5 Wax for his ginger hair. Absolutely. He's just woken up, he hasn't showered, he's straight on stage. Straight you know, on he's, stage. He's, he's out there. It. Absolutely. With a beer, with yeah. all the band afterwards. Blah, Send blah, blah, it. blah, blah. And then... In between his album Plus and his next sophomore album, if Mm. you'd like, um, Multiply, there was a number five collaborations project that came out. I actually think it might have come out before his first studio album. Mm -hmm. And I'm just touching on this because I think it really shows his development with that rapping style that he Mm -hmm. then brings into Multiply. So he... I think you'd have to be a pretty hardcore Ed Sheeran fan to have listened to this album, but it sort of documents that rapping style as with, as I just said. Um, but it's basically an album of Ed singing hooks to like UK-based grime rappers. Yes, I have heard this. Yeah, and it's. I feel like with Ed, it's a bit of an identity crisis in the fact that he loves this music, right? But but it's not his it's genre. Not his genre. But he doesn't want to be a product of any genre. Absolutely. So, so we've feel, got a crisis at hand. Yeah, and it comes to now his muddied identity and we can mm. like see where this has all come from. Yeah, he had collaborations with people like P Money and Tiny Temple. Did he have some with Tiny Temple? I don't think Tiny Temple was on the album, but he mu- he might have He's done always a had that sort of like I mean Stormzy comes in later as well. He he you know you can see who he wants to be. Absolutely. Or who he thinks he wants to be. Yes. And and this is the thing with Ed. And I mean like he's English. He would have been around all of this like grime yeah. London underground rap mm-hmm. stuff which is really fucking cool and there's Fuck some yeah. amazing amazing rappers that have come out of that but it's just an interesting combination of Ed's folksy sort of singer-songwriter shit yeah. with that. And then I think he does really, really well with his next album, Multiply, um, yes. which is my personal favorite. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. I just think it's the most nostalgic for me. I love the tracks Nina. I love the track The Man. I love The Man. I love The Man. I think it's really, really good. Is Bloodstream on this Bloodstream yeah, is on this. I'm good. a mess. Like, mm, okay. some really fucking good shit. So here, his 
the singer with a flow thing really mm. takes flight. He channels the frustration and inner turmoil of songs from his previous album, like You and I and You Need Me, Man, I Don't Need You, into those songs like The Man and mm. Take It Back. But it's a little bit more crafted this time, mm. I feel. Um, and then he even goes into that more commercialized zone with songs like Don't, which I still really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's about Ellie Goulding as well. Like yes, with that song, it's always like, I don't think that's what girls mean when they want a guy to write a song about them. No, no, I don't. Don't fuck with my love. Yeah. Also interesting that you're talking about how it feels a bit more crafted because Mm -hmm. in Take It Back, the song where he talks about being not a rapper but a singer with the flow, he, one of the lines is, watch how I sit on the rhythm, prisoner with a vision, signs of a label, but didn't listen to any criticism. So he's obviously like having this, still this turmoil turmoil of like, I've got a label and I'm quite famous now, but I'm still not going to listen to your criticism because I still want to be me. But it's like, this is where we start to see he still wants to be him, but he's got commercial success. So it's like, we can't take it seriously that you are just, you know, like this guy living on couches that's rapping for fun and he's not like... And it's just so interesting because there's such strong themes of like staying himself. He's obviously a bit insecure that he's not going to stay himself. I know. And he's almost trying to like convince himself that he is staying himself. Rhyming over recordings, avoiding tradition, that's yeah. one of his main things. Because every day, some lyrics and a melody could be written. Like, he's still trying not to be like everybody else. It's really funny, guys. The way that me and Liv have planned this, I'm not just pulling lyrics out of my ass. <laughs> is that she's, like, done the evolution, and I found lyrics to sort of match it and back it up. Listen to some more lyrics from Take It Back. I'm never having a stylist giving me tight jeans. Madison Square Garden is where I might be. But more likely, you'll find me in the back room of a dive bar with my mates having a pint with McDade, discussing records we made, and every single second knowing that we'd never betray the way we were raised, remembering our background, sat down. That's how we planned it out. So it's really right. sad because here, he's still he's still in. I just feel like he's, he's manifested still... his biggest fears. I know. Like, anyway. you can hear his fears here. Like, yes. he wants to be sitting in a dive bar thinking about how he never succumbed to the pressure of the industry and he never released shit music. And then I'm sitting here with bad habits, like, the music video burned into my brain of him as a vampire. And I know. I'm just like, It's just like, how you. did this happen? How did this happen? And this is what we're trying to uncover, right? But also, Soppy Ed starts to sort of come out on this album a little yeah. bit. Um, songs such as Tenerife Sea, which is mm. actually um, rumoured to be about Taylor Swift. Oh. T.S. Um, oh, Fan theories. Yeah, literally. One and Thinking Out Loud um, comes out on Multiply. So romance and love are not new themes oh. for Ed's work. I mean... As we said before, songs like Kiss Me, Give Me Love, super beautiful. I was listening to them back, though, and they're less commercialized mm. than Thinking Out Loud. Oh, hell yeah. And Tenerife C. Like, he's just teetered on. They still had a little bit of edge. Yeah, I find it really interesting. I didn't expect you to say that Multiply was your favorite album, but of course it has such... We were old enough to really take yeah. it in. It's very nostalgic, because Plus is hands. That's where my nostalgia with Ed sits. Yeah. But I can so see what you're saying is like, Multiply is like the last good sort of full product full we product. got from we got from Ed. Absolutely, so absolutely. But you did see this sort of commercialization start to creep start in. Start to creep in. You can watch it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Because I feel like thinking out loud is like, cheesily romantic it's like the sort of song that would be overplayed I at hate a wedding around, yeah. yeah i just well it has been hasn't it it's absolutely. grown up to become its worst fear yeah, i mean it's no, overplayed at no, a wedding hey, no, if you hate had it, it at your wedding i mean i mean beautiful. beautiful beautiful wedding you just wouldn't have been the only one. congrats yeah 
Hope you have a happy life. Yeah, same. You deserve the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so can we move world. on to... Yes. Um, divide? Yeah. And then I think divide is where it all starts to go downhill. Divide is where there's more bad ones than good yes. ones. That's yes. That's like the, the sort of change. Yeah. You're so right. Plus, all good. Like, mm. literally, you can listen through every single one. I'm like, Brilliant. yes, this is really fucking fantastic. And then multiply there's a little bit of this sort of mm, he's sort of like it's pretty good most of it's good yeah. and then you're sort of like oh that one was a bit of a mess yeah and then now with divide we were really excited for this album's release i know we were living together in uni at the time yeah yeah so this album was released in 2017 mm. um and soppy ed absolutely took over in this album i mean he did have his first track Razor, was like the last of the self-awareness around him in the music industry. And I feel like, have you got any lyrics from this? I do. So in Eraser, he says, Guess it's a stereotypical day for someone like me without a nine-to-five job or a uni degree to be caught up in the trappings of the industry. Show me the locked doors. I'll find another use for the key. And so he's like, no, he sort of, he says, it's a typical day for him. Mm -hmm. Like he's caught up in the trappings of the industry, but he's still like, I'm going to find a different way. I'm going to find a different way. And and I still like Eraser, but it makes me really sad. It does, because it's like he's self-aware enough to see that his music is becoming more commercialized mm. and is he is manifesting that sort of fear that he mm. had of becoming someone that he didn't want to be. I actually think with this album, it's a little bit sad because he's still trying to hold on to... Um, him being the underdog. He says mm. twice, so in, in Eraser, he says that he hasn't got a uni degree. And then his whole song, What Do I Know, in the chorus is, I'm just a boy with a one-man show, no university, no degree. And it's like he's trying to hold that one bit that makes him relatable, that he right. hasn't got a uni degree. Like, big fucking what? Like you you have to write two songs about it. You don't have a uni degree, but you have fucking millions and millions yes. of record sales. Yes. Really interesting. Because mm. that is his identity. I know. He must be having a major identity crisis. And because now he's a father and, like, he's really grown up into this new world that he probably doesn't want his kid to grow into. Right. And, like... I know. So interesting. And and okay, just a little just a little moment to to say that he still is very much like the same Ed. Literally in an article I just read, he was talking about how he hates award ceremonies yep. um because ev- like everyone's just fighting, everyone's uncomfortable. Like it's it's a lot of people wanting other people to fail and he doesn't like that. He's also just talked about how he hates LA and he wouldn't live in LA mm. because no one there is like there for themselves and so he still is trying to live by his morals he still has his morals it's just not reflected in his music totally that's just super super interesting because yeah any interview or any sort of video interview that i've seen of him he comes across so 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 down to earth Mm -hmm. in 2021 hell yeah and he still is he still is it's just we're just talking about his music it's It's a real shame weird i don't get it and then he sort of in divide he also comes out with super super folksy tracks like nancy mulligan and galway girl which i just felt yeah ye ye be ye or I'm pissing. <laughs> but it is like, baby, yeah, yeah, be yeah, or something. You be you. But yeah, super folksy stuff as well, which is so interesting. I just felt like most of the tracks on this album were fillers. Mm. And that's when you know that it's turning to shite. No, divide created probably a divide. I actually went and fans. saw him live 
for Divide. I saw him live for Plus and Multiply, I How think. How was he? Oh my god, Plus was the dream. Yeah. Oh. He was venue. great. He was fucking great. Was it quite intimate? Um, no, it was oh. in Wellington. Oh. And I think one was in Auckland. One, he was wearing an all-black shirt, and it was fucking oh, cute and... Bless him. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. We are fans of him. Just, <laughs> we again, are. I mean, we've relating. been to see him live. But we also see this sort of radio-ready Ed coming out to play in tracks like Shape of You. Oh, fuck, yeah. That was kind of it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Shape of You, I actually don't mind as a song, just not for Ed. Like, didn't he write it for Justin Bieber or yeah, something? And or then Rihanna? Yeah, or Rihanna. I'm pretty sure there was a bunch of people that should have jumped on it, and then someone was like to him, no, you should have this song because it's going to be so commercially successful. Right? Which is, again, that's the trappings of the industry right yeah. there. Exactly, and he said in interviews that he can get quite obsessed with analytics and mm. things like that. And it's like, well, it just goes against everything that you've been saying in your first two albums. Exactly. And this is what happens when you do get obsessed with analytics. I mean, we're in the content creation yeah. industry, like music. And we have to actively try not to look at analytics. Absolutely. With Instagram, I never want to tailor shit to what the mainstream wants. So I really try and not look at them, but... I'm not fucking Ed Sheeran. Of course he's looking at album sales and, like, music downloads. Absolutely. And, like, you know, you do have to trust your gut, but it's pretty fucking hard when he's probably got the pressures of, like, so many people's jobs relying on him, right? Yes. Also, side note, Ed Sheeran wrote two of One Direction's best songs, Mm -hmm. Little Things and Over Again, which is severely underrated and is, like, my favourite song of theirs. I just feel like... And... Wait. Wait. What? And... Okay, I'm taking that back. Over Again isn't their best song. Moments. One Direction's best song, Moments. The most beautiful song was written by Ed Sheeran. Just, oh. I don't know why, we just need to say that. I mean, he really can correct. tap into that beautifully so, sort of soppy, mm. lovely shit that we do like to hear every yeah. now and then. But he also wrote Liam Payne's song, Strip That No, down. he did not. Yes, no, he did. he did not. Oh, he did. And now you know when the music stabs and maybe strips that down by me. He did. Yeah, well, actually, because that, when it goes, <laughs> that sounds like, no, it ain't my time to jump in again. Yes. Oh my God, Ed. Yeah. What's gone on? What is happening What's here? What's gone on? I mean, strip that down. Just take it No, off. strip that down is the worst. Yeah, so this is sort of where we are left at the end of Divide. Radio Ready Ed is really ready to take the industry by its bulls, which he does in number six collaborations. No. This was a threat to humanity. <laughs> Absolutely. He said he wrote this in a few weeks. His other albums took like four years each mm. to make, right? And this He's got one... this 10-year plan of like five albums over 10 years that he's sticking to by releasing equals later in this month. Anyway, continue. Like, good on you, delayed gratification. Love it. But he, like, super ambitious, but I feel like the ambition clouds the quality of yeah. the music. Yeah, so this album was released sort of smack bang in the middle of Divide and when bad habits and shivers are coming out so this was 2019 Mm. and i feel like it really bridges that gap between the foxy soppy ed that we see in divide and the top 40 totally commercialized ed this whole album is a radio album yes absolutely like Like, so this is i don't care with justin bieber era yeah and that was by far the most successful song off the album the other songs i think they're all a bit lackluster he had a collaboration with khalid which did quite well um, but it wasn't that good. His no. one with Camila Cabello, who, like, Camila Cabello already, I she's very talented. Mm-hmm. Her voice, she riffs too much for, yeah. the, for the ear. Yeah, not, the not ear. my vibe. Not my vibe. But I'm sure you, she's a lot of Camilla. people. But, but it literally had the lyrics, 
I love her hips, curves, lips say the words, te amo mummy, te amo mummy. Like, this, I remember hearing this. I was living in Colombia when yeah. I heard this. So I was like full surrounded by the Spanish language. It's a fucking beautiful language. Absolutely. But when I was just hearing him singing, te amo mummy, te amo mummy, I remember thinking, I'm having just a like fucking warped experience right now. Of Ed Sheeran, it's Ed coming Sheeran, out of Ed Spanish, Sheeran's mouth. I'm in mouth. Colombia, Camilla Cabal, like, I don't know. Like, what's happening here? It's all very muddy. No. Absolutely. I mean, he gets Yeba on the album, which <gasps> Yeba is we are obsessed style. with. Like, one of the best singers of our generation. And then, okay. Travis Scott. Stormzy. Oh, Stormzy. Stormzy. Yeah. yeah um, remember my name with Ed, with. Eminem, but it's like he's still trying. It's like he's a little bit clouded here because some of the lyrics in this is 20 years old is when I came in the game, and now it's eight years on, and you remember the name. And if you thought I was good, well, then I'm better today. No, you're not. But it's ironic how you people thought I'd never be great. It's like he's still a little bit, he's thinking yeah, he's better today than he was. Like, there's this insecurity. Yeah. It's, that's an insecure layers. Yeah. yeah. Layers. And then I don't care. When I'm with my baby, yeah. That's just like commercial music for commercial music's sake. You mm. know that people are going to pick that up because it's repetitive, it's somewhat catchy, but it's actually... And it's two huge celebs singing it. Absolutely. It's just shit. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, very interesting, that whole thing, not a fan. And then now we are here today, 2021, Bad Habits have been released, Shivers has been released... And they're the reason we're having this whole conversation because yes. me and Liv listened to Bad Habits. We were like, oh my God, new Ed Sheeran. We've been waiting. Can't wait to see it. And then we listened to it and we were just like, what has happened? What's happened? It could be sung by anyone. Yeah. I don't hear Ed here at all. Like even the production, it's so flawless in the sense of it's so slick. And his voice sounds higher, like yes. pitched up it than usual honestly or sounds like Justin Bieber. I know. I think he's like got this obsession with like trying to crack it. Mm. And it's like, Ed, you cracked it before. Like this is what we love about you. But this is a really interesting conversation to have because it's like, do we not let artists evolve in the way that they want to evolve which we absolutely should but here it just feels like he's the evolved money. into something that he didn't want to and he spoke about that so like often in his old and music. so freely I in know. his old music it is really interesting so ed did a big interview with um british gq mm-hmm. now this was a really, really brilliant interview. It was written by Jonathan Heath, who was the one that wrote about that Harry Styles or One Direction concert where he said, young woman turn into screaming banshees. Right. So I really dislike this man. He's a great features writer about music. He's great. Right. And I, it hurts me to say that because I like I disagree with him so much about the way he treats young women, being fans of things. Anyway, just putting that out there. When he spoke to Ed Sheeran about coming out with new music in 2021, mm-hmm. they talk about how every year there's a new artist who's like more exciting. And then um, Ed Sheeran goes, yeah, I can name them. And then at this point, Ed Sheeran starts counting off all these artists. So he says, in 2012, it was Emily Sanday. In 2013, it was Lord. In 2014, it was Sam Smith. 2015, it was James Bay. 
2016, it was Reagan Bone Man. 2017, Stormzy. 2018, it was probably Billie Eilish. 2019 was Louis Capaldi. And 2020, it was Olivia Rodrigo. Every year, there's a new person who's the biggest thing. And me, being someone who has released a lot, you know, I'm no longer exciting. So you have to find ways to make people more excited by you. He has internalized this so much to the point where he's listing off his competitors. And he can do it year by year. And insecurity, and I'm sad yeah. for him. I know, because it's amazing? just like... You are great, and your shit is great. You're overthinking. You can tell when a product's been overthought. He's, and you can tell when there's been too many hands on a product. And also, it's really interesting that he's overthinking it this much. Yet that's not even how the public sees it. Like, Bad Habits has been the longest-running number one hit in the UK since Dance Monkey in 2019. And it's about to be knocked off its number one by Shivers. He's upping himself but I don't get why like isn't this so interesting that we're sat here talking about how no like people love you for your old shit but obviously we're still gonna buy and listen to the new shit but you know what's that whole thing about like what is success to you like what does Ed want does he want good really fucking good music that is going to be absolutely adored by maybe a smaller like group of people Mm. Or do you want it to be super mainstream and commercially successful because, you know, whoever is listening to Top 40 at the time is going to listen to it and you're on all of the Spotify playlists and blah, 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 blah. Mm. But people aren't actually connecting to it. I feel like Ed would want the the people to connect, the musicians, to really be like, that's beautiful. Like how Lord was like, I wrote this album for musicians. I would expect Ed to do something like that. Absolutely. Do you think it's like, you know, his idols are Damien Rice, Bob Dylan, those sort of people in that time because of the way that the music industry was run these people were creating amazing music but it was also the biggest thing at the time because we didn't have Mm. you know radio like it is today we didn't have streaming services we weren't uh, attention spans weren't so short that we needed sugar 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 all the time like you can't compare that success with like trying to recreate that success because that's not the way that the the world is anymore now i know and it's i mean it's that whole thing of like he came up as the underdog and it was his whole thing and it really reminded me of sally rooney's latest book and how she writes about how hard it is to be an author now because she's she can't write about relatable experiences because she no longer has them because she's famous absolutely it's like his whole aesthetic his whole branding his whole music entirety of what he is relied on the fact that he was this up-and-coming guy Mm -hmm. who slept on his friends couches that was everything to do with how he portrayed himself Mm -hmm. in his music and he's no longer that guy because obviously he's no longer that guy he's a millionaire he's got a fucking personal bar like he's not that guy anymore so it's like who is he and i don't know no and and i i think his music shows that he doesn't really know either because these these two songs are just they're just not Ed. No. Like everything he was against. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think we've gone over most of, especially what I needed to mm. say, except for that I fucking love him. Like, I love Ed Sheeran. He is great. Yeah. And, like, totally all for artistic evolution. But there's a difference between ex- exploration and... Sort of selling out. Yeah. Or selling in. And, and like, we were talking before we got on mic about, does this just happen to all artists? But, no, you can you can be an unknown artist and get famous and still be great. And keep your artistic integrity. Yeah, so he said at the end of this interview with, um, in British GQ that I keep referring to, it's really interesting. The last question is, um, have you ever had a recurring dream? Mm. And Ed Sheeran says... 
yeah. I dream that I get shot in the head every single night. I can't explain it. Literally, I close my eyes, I'm falling asleep, and then it happens. Every night. Weird, huh? I don't go to therapy, but if I did, I'm sure the therapist would have a lot to say about that. And it's just like, it's so interesting because I feel like his subconscious is really speaking louder than his lyrics right now. That's so interesting. And he doesn't want to look into it. It's like he's getting shot off his pedestal. I know. And it's just, between that, I mean, this is a great, I'll link this piece in the show notes notes because it's great. I mean, between that and him being able to list off the biggest artists of every single year since his come up is just, it's worrying. It's quite telling about how the industry can make you so self-aware. And he's always, like, talking about, I know, what is it? I'm well aware of certain things that may destroy I'm a man well like aware me. Of certain things that may befall a man like yes. me. Yes, and then he's like always talking about alcohol as a crutch. And then really interesting, he was talking to Zane Lowe mm. in one of the Apple interviews, mm-hmm. Apple Music interviews, and he was saying that like he had this moment of realization after Divide that it was like I'm 28. This is probably as big as I'm ever going to mm-hmm. be, and it's all downhill from here, which isn't true at no. all. Like it's definitely not necessarily true, but it's just showing that his fears of being irrelevant are overtaking. Yeah. His love for music and creating it. Yeah. Like, if you really loved music, I get that you're tired from tour and you need to take time off, but, like, wouldn't you just keep releasing it, like, because you love to make it? Yeah, it just must. Or just stop releasing it. Don't go for the, oh, I'll just release commercially successful stuff. Just so interesting. And what I also find really interesting is, you know, he's always like, you need me, man, I don't need you with the music industry and the gatekeepers. But now he is the music industry. Like, mm. he is the guy that people are getting to come into writing sessions. Mm. He's the guy that can be like, Yeba, come on my album. Eminem, come on my album. Stormzy, come on my album. Like, he is now the industry mm. that he once was like, man, I'm not going to be yeah. part of that and it's interesting because it's like he sort of had some options if he came up and was in this industry that he was writing about really not wanting to be like he could have changed it like he could have tried to change it because he's come into it and now yeah. he is it but instead it changed him it changed him and like i've never been in the fucking music industry i don't know what the pressures are like maybe i'd be changed oh my straight God. off the bat but, i mean yeah but I'm- it's just so interesting because yeah i just don't know i hate it when people say why is no one talking about this i hate that line because people often are yeah it's just you're you're not hearing their voices because they're often marginalized or just you know muted totally but i really feel like where is the dialogue about Ed Sheeran's <laughs> music. This is obviously the most important yeah. thing going on in the world right now. <laughs> so interesting. I was trying to find any like smart think pieces about yes. this and I truly couldn't. And I thought it might have been a marketing tactic that his latest song was called Bad Habits because every time I typed in Ed Sheeran bad to try and find articles about maybe him being bad now, it just came up with bad habits and I thought that's, that's genius. Clever. But then I don't know if that's just my brain always in the like, how are we going to market this well like yeah. world? But honestly, did you also say that Anna Sophia Robb is in Shivers? The oh my God, video? no, I didn't watch the music video. Bad habits sort of scarred me. Yeah, I know, bad <laughs> habits I couldn't really get through. Shivers is almost quite funny. Oh, like okay. I see he's almost like trying to go over the top mm. to be like, I don't know whether it's, a piss take yeah 
I don't know. Neither I do I. Know. I mean, he's so cute, and, and if he wants to come on Culture Vulture and sort of plead his case... Absolutely. Please I'm do. I'm all ears. Like, I would love to have this conversation with Ed over a beer. Same. At his personal bar. I would literally love to know why he's releasing the songs he's releasing and it could be some genius like it's all a fucking metaphor of the world and the fact that you guys are listening anyway is like I'm gonna write a whole album about how I released this shitty album yeah and y'all all listened anyway but I don't think that's what he's doing but I, I hope it is and I'm excited to hear the full album same I'm it, really excited to I, hear the full album yeah I also heard that he because didn't he release sing mm. Um, as the sort of single track, first single track off of Multiply. And he said he did that because it's so different from the rest mm. of the album. And he said to Zane Lowe that, like... He's doing the same he's thing. He's doing the same thing. So it's like, but you then, think you're getting a certain album, yeah. but you're actually not. I hope so. I mean, I really hope Shivers and Bad Habits are the outliers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I'm feeling like it's going to be more of a divide than a plus. I agree. <laughs> that was not even meant to be like a pun because I don't yeah. think that worked. But it did. It, it might be more of a divide of the people's opinions than a plus. It's a really good. Oh my, oh god. my gosh. Imagine if this whole podcast was like a marketing tactic. I know. For Ed Sheeran. It's not, by it's the way. It's not. Well, we've been dragging <laughs> the guy pretty hard. Yeah, well, not the guy. It would the make music. you want to listen mm. just out of curiosity. Anyway, we'll probably re upload this podcast when the um, album's out. Maybe equals. with Equals. Yeah, when yeah. Equals is out. Maybe with an added. Little review on yeah, equals. Absolutely. That'd be we a might good idea. eat Fine. our words. Don't think we will. Neither, because we're always right. <laughs> anyway, if you have thoughts, which I'm sure you do, or maybe you don't and you disagree with us completely, or we've swayed you into thinking, yeah, his music's not that good anymore, please do come and let us know. We have a Discord server. We have a newsletter every morning that you can reply to because I do respond to it your emails. It is a great newsletter. Lucy gets up at 6am every morning to get that personally into your inbox. I love it. You can also come to the Instagram. I don't know. You can leave a review on the podcast. Also, the Shit Show podcast is coming back weekly this week. I'm very excited. I'm hosting it with my older brother, Nick. It's going to be the internet and the world summed up for you in very easy headlines because... No one's got time to do the work, so we'll just sort of do it for you. Absolutely. And Liv, thank you for jumping on mic with me this week to talk about Ed Sheeran. Thank you again for another music industry commentary. It's my favourite thing to discuss. Next week, it will be sex education. Yes. (gasps) So excited. You guys should go and finish season three of Sex Education so that you can come and analyse the shit out of it with us. We're very excited. So excited. We will be in your ears next week, team. Woohoo. See you then. Bye. 